Welcome to Rise Up and Raise Hell, a podcast by feminists and goddess worshippers here to spread the gospel of the goddess. So we're on episode 13. Yes. Oh my God, I was present for like three and then you did... I know. All of the other ones. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> and they sucked without you. So oh, no. They were just boring. Okay. Welcome to Rise Up and Raise Hell, a very special episode since this is episode 13, The Number Ooh. of the Goddess. And today we finally have Caitlin. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> thank you for being back. You know, we just had to move, not live together for us to record together. That's, that's true. That's how that happened. Um, so Ariana finally watched Sabrina. The, uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes. But yes, Ariana has a lot that she would like to say about it. So, But I'm, we're going to talk together because I feel like this is an easy segue for us to get back into podcasting. <laughs> Yes, and also, like, you're going to refresh my memory when you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I you just, just finished, finished it. it. And the new season is coming out on the 24th, so that's, like, in a few days, so fuck yeah. So, just in time. Well, I, I would like to quickly just go ahead and throw out all the things that I didn't like about it. Okay, yeah, but did we, overall, we liked it. Oh, I loved it. Yes, overall. I watched it so many times. Yeah, like, it was a year ago, but... <laughs> Fave show, fave show. But I think I was irritated at how the Church of Satan was just so patriarchal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't, we've like watched like satanic documentaries. I don't know that much about how like, but I mean, like the Church of Satan and Satanism is like two different things, right? Right, right. So like, I, I was kind of confused at like some of the like, crossovers between like different types of satanism and then like wicca Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it felt like i don't know if they're all like the same like that well i think that the primary and this is i listened to a, a podcast with one of the writers too who's also a witch like there's a few all the writers on the show are none of them are cis het male which is awesome they're all at least queer some kind well, um, I definitely got a strong girl power. Oh yeah, 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 vibe for sure. From this. So, and then um, there's one who's like an open pagan, another one who's like a witch and or a pagan. Not sure, um, but I know that they're definitely a witch. I they said, and I also got this that this was clearly supposed to be like satire of the church or Catholicism or Christianity. Yeah. But it's easier for you know audiences, especially American audiences, to have a an, an evil that's art. like everybody's already scared and confused about satanism but i thought they did a really good job by even though like you know all the members of the church of night worship satan they're not all evil it was mostly like when personal feelings of like misogyny basically get in there that it fucked everything up. So it really wasn't like the whole congregation was evil. I would say they were mostly um, hedonistic. 
And I thought that was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was true to Satanism. Like Mm -hmm. the actual church of Satan, not the temple of Satan, which is the political movement. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Father Blackwood trying to make his own basically cult within the religion was what made, was when the evil started coming forth. And I thought those were the true bad guys. I don't think that the church of night in and of itself was evil, but I also had issues... As a show, I didn't have issues with it. I'm like, this is a cool, cute, entertaining show. I know this isn't real. I know this is a fucking, like, reference to the church, and they're poking fun at that, and it's satire and blah, blah, blah. But, like, on my spiritual level, I'm just like, fuck. I'm like, Satan is not about this. Like, I guess if if I took the religion out of it and, like, went through, like, historical and what I personally believe about mm. Satan, I believe that Satan is <clears throat> a woman and that Lucifer is, you know, a female energy and, you know, and that she's the savior and she is, you know, the one who grants humans freedoms, like the Prometheus who brought fire to humans or whatever, like, and gave us free will. Well, they definitely took a very Christian approach to the whole show because they took it as, like, Lilith and Satan and Satan being a man and all this, and, um... Because, like, knowing what we know Mm -hmm. about history, we Mm -hmm. know that that the goddess was turned into the the serpent and mm-hmm. Leviathan and therefore Satan. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's hard for me not to get impatient with shows now after doing all the research that we've done in yeah. this. Because- <laughs> and not to nitpick and be like... Lilith and yeah. Satan are the same thing. Well, because they're just, they're continuing to spread a, an untruth. Right. You know what I mean? And, like, the Christian side of the story. And I'm mm-hmm. irritated about it. And I still appreciate what they did there, which was they flipped the table at the end, and it was Lilith mm-hmm. who took over. I'm like, well, hell yeah. Like, that's, but the process to get there, she was still kind of, like, she had her haggish moments, you know? Yeah. And they still portrayed her in this negative light. And I'm like, no, like... Lilith can be, like, about anarchy and, like, whatever you want to, like, say that Satanism is about. But Mm -hmm. also, like, I think that the feminine energy is love and light. And Mm -hmm. she had, like, a lot of jealousy. And, like, it was all about, like, trying to get in Satan's favor and stuff. And I don't know. I wanted her to be less grovelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I Mm -hmm. wanted her to be, like, powerful. And, I mean, she was Mm -hmm. at the end. But, you know. It took a minute. It, it was a weird way to get there. Yeah. And I and from what I've listened to other witches talk about it, that's their issue too, is the portrayal of Lilith as like subservient. And, you know, they're like, why did she go from rebelling against God and Adam? And then she meets Lucifer and then she's just like ready to fucking get under him, literally. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. It's, it was weird. Yeah. And I'm like, just because he was hot and nice to her, like... Which I guess, like, I kind of liked that, where she was like, oh, he was really kind and loving to me, but, like, the further separated he got from, like, God or divinity or the path of light, like, he started to outwardly and inwardly transform into a monster. So Mm. I thought that was kind of, like, a cool metaphor for toxic relationships, how, like, they, like, no one ever gets into a relationship, you know, like, they're always like, well, he's so kind and good to me, and he's so different from, like, my ex and blah, 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 and, but then suddenly they can change over time, and it's a matter of, of you letting them, of you letting them get away with it, and as women, I think that we can continue to make excuses, 
for men a lot and like until they just completely take over and you know start a whole uh you know patriarchal religion cult <laughs> yeah and i think that their, their relationship and was in the way that she was subservient and kind mm-hmm. of scared of him mm-hmm. is like a perfect example of like the patriarchal story like yeah. how it even came to be like how back in the day like thousands and thousands of years ago when women were revered by men and worshipped by men and they were literally nice to them and then they did start to change and you know the power play was different so that the the women were like in Lilith's position like groveling at the men's feet Mm -hmm. so I think maybe even Lilith being scared and like weak and timid around Mm -hmm. Satan before she finally took back over like she was using tools that she learned how to use and it's the same way as like modern women we've learned how to use our sexuality and our Mm -hmm. kindness and we are afraid of men and like Mm -hmm. it seems like now we're we're trying to like flip the script you know on them so it's like similar so I feel like maybe maybe it's actually accurate right like I thought it was very it was a very realistic way to get to where we were where how we could have a subservient Lilith like that's how that would happen yeah was Lucifer started out nice it started out all about like free will and everything but um as corruption set in so too did their relationship become corrupt I wonder you know how like the what came first the chicken or the egg kind of thing I'm like (laughs) what came first like our, as women, our need, is it biological, emotional, to, like, latch on to a man? You know how, like, we get, like, we, like, have sex with somebody mm-hmm. and, like, those, like, chemicals start flowing and then suddenly we're just, like, in love and, like, we'll do anything for them. And, like, women have, like, become weak over men mm-hmm. constantly, continuously. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever again. I'm like, was that how we felt? Or is that a result of being, like, conquered? Mm -hmm. I do want to apologize for the sound of my dog (laughs) chewing this rubber bone in the mic, but it's either that or she will scream at us. Maybe, maybe, no, maybe just, uh, like, chew it a few inches that way. (laughs) They're just slightly out of range. They're just going to hear, like, rubber and licking, like, in the background. Maybe we'll just muffle it with a pillow. <laughs> Shit. Uh, wait, what were we saying? Oh, I was just saying what came first, like our infatuation with the D. Oh, our infatuation. Or, with the D. Well, I think it's. I don't know. It's one of those like stereotypes, like women are the gentler sex or whatever, or we're more. Were we more easily conquered because we were gentle, or were we not so gentle back then? I think it's. I just think that women have a more of a balance between our emotions and our rational and our rational minds or whatever. Like they're like, Oh, women are so emotional. No, it's just that we fucking pay attention. That's true. Like that's, we have emotional intelligence. Yeah. We have stronger emotional intelligence and that's, I think that that could be, you know, how like more peaceful, people like get conquered by the more aggressive or whatever and like it's not fair and it doesn't mean that we don't have other ways of fighting back or ways of resisting but I don't it's sort of like 
how when we talk about male versus female, we're more talking about masculine versus feminine energies. Mm -hmm. And the energies are that of like um, passive or active or like stable or cyclical. And because female energy, regardless of what body you're in, is very cyclical and masculine is very stable energy and... I don't know, you gotta have that yin with the yang kind of thing, but I, I feel like maybe maybe masculine energy is more easily corrupted because it's more unchangeable versus women can go back and forth. And I don't know, maybe we have more control over like gray areas or gray morale versus, I don't know, like masculine energy because it's so, like, it, it reminds me of like fixed, like in fixed signs. Mm-hmm. Like, for astrology, it's just, like, they're really stubborn and they're really hard to move. And it's going to be, like, a big deal to move them or to change their minds or do anything. And just because, like, they have more of that energy in them. Right. I feel like it takes them longer to learn, too, because Mm -hmm. they're more, like, I guess you could say, like, linear even. And we're, like, constantly revisiting the same Mm -hmm. lessons over and over again on deeper levels. Yeah. But... Either way, still think that um, all those old white men in power all across the world and just in general, I think they're aliens of varying breeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I agree with that. The the RH negative factor. Since yeah. I've learned about that, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. It's just it's interesting with Australia and their prime minister being so much like Trump and Brazil's president mm-hmm. being so much like Trump and then Putin and then and I'm the just like prime, it's the prime minister of the UK or England it's weird it's weird that all these like masculine powers are like rising up but you it's know like the, a pimple like right? all the toxins are like coming to <laughs> yes, the surface exactly exactly very much like a darkest before the dawn kind of shit yeah fuck <laughs> And then all us millennials, we're going to come in like a big Bior... Sh- what do you call it? Biore strip? Biore strip <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to... just going to rip that shit right out. We're just like, oh, good. Thanks for revealing yourselves. Right. And that's why we have beautiful shows like fucking Sabrina popping up with like inundating us with like feminist, not even undertones. They're just overtones. Yeah, it's very blatant, and I, I just, I love it, though. Yeah, I didn't know, like, how I felt about it at first. I was like, this is some intense fourth-wave feminism, like, and it felt very... I'm like, is this in my face? Do I care? Does it matter? And then, you know, I kind of had to think about, like, all the audiences it was reaching, mm-hmm. and I think it was fine. Um, I thought it was pretty neat. Um, and I And again, like, I especially love it now that I know that... Um, the writers were all like queer or trans or just not cishet white dudes. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They, it was very intentional and I appreciated that. Oh, and as far as I did want to say that I really liked that there were actual references to witchcrafts and gods and all the mythology and like herbalism. I felt it was very fun to watch for me for that um, because I, like I kept like like screaming at Brian. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm like, that, those are real herbs. I'm like, those are all right. Or those are real wind gods. Like, that's a real spell, yeah. you know, like stuff like that. And um, yeah, they were very intentional because they had witches who were in the writer's room yes. working on it. I felt like you could tell it was good. 
And I also, I really like the show because even though it was kind of going off of the whole witchy aesthetic, I felt that they brought so much of the religion into it mm-hmm. and they showed so many different sides. Like it felt really good, really good character development from all of the characters, which was so fucking cool. I loved how deep all of the characters were and like how they were totally not one dimensional. Right. So I didn't feel like it was like other kind of like witchy shows. Like, cause I know like the witch aesthetic is like super in vogue right now, which makes me feel all kinds of ways. Like on one hand, obviously I'm happy that, you know, women are starting to wake up and we're starting to be more conscious of feminine energies and we're finding the patriarchy and getting back to our roots and our natural inheritances you know, beings of the earth. Like, that's cool, but also I find it, it can be very exploitive. Exploitive? Exploitive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but I didn't feel like it was doing that. I didn't feel like they were making this another show about teen witches or witchy people or, like, trying to, like, market that witchy aesthetic. So, instead of making it, like, a fad. Like, these were, like, real people with a real religion and they had real problems and, like, moral issues, like, and it kind of felt like it was regardless of religion or gender or whatever. Um, like the, the witch aspect was just a part of their life, but it covered so much more than witchcraft. Yeah. And witches, like it dealt with, you know, all kinds of issues. So I thought that that was really good and I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it was a bullshit show and I didn't really feel offended or anything. I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this is cool and very well thought out. Um, Yeah. yeah. They did a really good job. Like with the, the whole trans situation Mm -hmm. with the Theo, I really liked that. I know. I was so... I was very happy with how they handled that. Yeah. And there is a trans person on... uh, As a writer. I've... So, Lisa Lister, she mentioned in her book, she's like, should we be happy or, like, defensive whenever, like, the concept of the witch comes out in mainstream media? Mm Mm-hmm. And she was saying, like, she thinks we should be happy that it's being talked about at all. Mm -hmm. Because that shows, like, so much progress. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, like, for me, I I don't feel... I mean, I'm obviously not the most, like, hardcore, like, practicing, like, person. Would I consider myself a witch? Sure. Why not? In some ways. You know what I mean? But I think that that's a title that a lot of women can and should just go ahead and claim Mm -hmm. considering what it means like what we're capable of but a lot of us haven't like stepped into it yet you know what I mean but like I'm worried about the Christian side of it being spread Mm -hmm. like the actual not historically accurate aspect right like and that's why I got kind of irritated about the whole Lilith and Satan Mm -hmm. thing in here I'm like you know like Satan is a concept right Lilith is a concept, kind of, but mm-hmm. actually more historically accurate and has been around longer. Like, right. But, and I'm just like, I just, if we're going to do this, like, I I kind of feel like the creators of Sabrina should have done a better job with being responsible with spreading what is a religion. Oh, like a religion that's not... I mean, it... it that it, wasn't satanic? Or? Yeah, well, like, if we're wanting, like, to bring the patriarchy down we need to really like readdress the christian narrative Mm -hmm. and i think that that's what they were ultimately doing by using the church of satan or the path of night as a metaphor for christianity so it felt like they just kind of it it felt like they were going off of kind of what they knew instead of like exploring something totally new which would have been ultra refreshing but maybe it wouldn't have appealed to as many 
of the mainstream, you know? Yeah. Like, because I think most of us are kind of fed up with Christianity and their bullshit. So, but being able to see them as something that we've always seen as evil, but also doing it in the way of making, like, not every member of the Church of Satan was evil. Right. It was just mostly Father Blackwood and his um, Judas boy fucks, you know? Right. Oh, my yeah, gosh. That was so weird. That fucking subcult within the religion. Right. Yeah. So, and it's sort of like, you know, having corrupt priests and stuff like that. And the fact that they just completely, they decided that their God, you know, Satan, Lucifer Morningstar, whatever, wasn't even, was still not for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, oh, well, th- that they decided to go and worship Lilith instead. And that yeah. hopefully in this next third season, they're going to expand on the whole church of Lilith and what that's going to look like. And like, there's going to be a high priestess instead of a high priest. Yeah, I like that. It's going to be more matriarchal than patriarchal. And I wonder how Zelda's going to use that. And I wonder how the writers are going to, um, have a religion of Lilith. And if they're going to, you know, research into old Lilith, Ishtar, uh-huh. Morningstar religions because she was the original Morning Star, right. she was the original Lucifer Morning Star. So it's it's weird to like see something that I've you know already dismissed as a corruption of original goddess worship, and see it like turn into a religion, and then see these characters that I know to be one and the same that have been vilified. Right, <laughs> like, it was so weird. I was like, oh, but they're the same energy aspect, but now they're two different, and they're using it to you know, pit patriarchy against matriarchy. And it was, it was odd, but, but I understood why I understood what it symbolized and I understood why they did what they did. And it made for an entertaining story. Right. (laughs) And maybe at some other point we'll get more accurate shit. I just, I wish there would be some sort of like documentary that would come out. You know how the one came out called The Family on Netflix? It's interesting because that's being brought to light. And then, like, we have, like, these shows coming out that really do make you question authority. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not it's, like, historically accurate. Because, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's been so many shows, like, where there's almost a comparison to the church or to our government. Right, right, right. Like, we definitely have His Dark Materials, which has come out. Hunger which is, Games. Yeah, The Hunger Games. Like, Well, His Dark Materials is literally about defying God in the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, the, it's just been, our whole generation has just been kind of, like, built up with mm-hmm. all these different, like, stories to question authority, really. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, like, yeah. rebelling against the government and stuff. So, I'm just like, man, like, it's only a matter of time before we get more and more documentaries. Because that was, like, big. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people saw that and talked about that. And it was, like, advertised on Netflix's homepage and shit. And I'm like... Whoa, <laughs> that's a big uh, that's a big step. Yeah, you know, so it's exciting and it's interesting that something like Sabrina, in its own way, is like paralleling what's actually going on right now. Yeah, exactly. I always like that. I love seeing par like that. Does art reflect society, or does society reflect art? You know what I'm? Yeah. That quote. I'm fucking it up. I know I what you're saying. I I don't know the quote, but yeah, both. But it, I guess. Right. I'm like. I think it's that the mandala effect kind of where mm-hmm. it's like as it grows, like we're all becoming conscious of like the same thing, which is why you have fads like witchcraft or calling yourself a witch or witchiness or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yes. I don't know. I was thinking about how like with 
Like, it's a good sign that so much stuff is being brought to light because mm-hmm. it means that they can't, I, I don't know how to explain this. Like, if they aren't able to hide anymore, then there's more people against them. Right. You know? It was, like, easier for them to hide when everyone was kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, in agreement with what was happening or, like, media and, like, um, news organizations weren't doing, you know, such yeah. a great job or they were, like, super biased or paid off. But now it's, like, everything's being brought to light. So, like, with, like, the energy, like, consciousness mm-hmm. vibration or whatever of humanity rising, it's literally, like, purifying and, like, forcing yeah. out the toxins, yes. which is why we get pimples like Trump. Yes. <laughs> pimples like Trump. Can you tell that Caitlin works at a dermatologist's <laughs> office? <laughs> so, right, though. All I talk about is acne all day. <laughs> acne and Botox. <laughs> Just what this country needs. <laughs> some Botox and some retinol. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So we mentioned earlier before we started whether we were Team Harvey or Team Nick. <clears throat> I'm Team Nick all the way. See, uh, I don't know. I can't remember what Nick did to rub me the wrong way. Because I was like, I was Team Harvey at first because I just think he's cute. Oh, no. I, I mean, like, before Nick came along, and even when he, in the first season, I was... Definitely Team Harvey. I thought he was so sweet. I was like, do not fucking leave this wonderful man for this, like, snaky... Snaky. Yeah, this... this ha, 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 ha. Huh. Snaky, as we say offensively I to, know. Our, to our the- own selves. <laughs> as we... Anyway, yeah, I just thought that he was a little <laughs> sneaky. I thought that he was just too promiscuous for her. Like, I just thought that... Which, I mean, it's fine. Like, whatever. Like, have orgies. That's cool. But I, I just didn't think it would be good for her personality like which they really harp on like her purity or like her virginity like the whole time which kind of sucked but I understood why they did it later with like making her into the savior which actually there's a specific trope for her character and it's like apocalypse girl but also um it's like the anti-antichrist it's a whole thing yeah there's the anti-pope and no no no, she's the anti-antichrist which is an actual trope like a tv trope that they do and it's there's, like, a lot of research. I, like, I'm obsessed with TV tropes. Um, so, yeah, she's, like, a specific character. Um, and that's exactly what happens as she becomes a, you know, the perversion of the the Nazarene, as they call mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, which I loved. Um, but, yeah, I didn't like Nick until they started actually dating. And at first I thought maybe he was trying, which I guess technically he was trying to be nice to her like, to get close to her for a reason. I thought he just kind of wanted to fuck her. But then when he never actually tried to fuck her and he was like, you know, let's just get away from all of this. Mm-hmm. Like, this makes me uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, is he just, like, really into being immortal? Like, is he disenchanted with the whole uh, religious side of things? Um, and then when it's revealed that it's because he's actually fallen in love with her and he is disenchanted and he does want to get away from all that stuff, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, Nick's a good dude. And, like, he never tries to pressure her. Like, it's so refreshing to have two dudes in this show that were love interests that were not shitty, that yeah, were kind true. and understanding, that were, like, sexually open and... But didn't pressure. Right. Like, didn't, like they were, like, if you're... Like, everybody on the show was, like, sex is cool when you're ready, you know? Like it, it was... Yeah, you're right. It was so nice. It was so refreshing. I'm, like, that's exactly how we should handle sex with teenagers. Like, oh, my God. 
And I just wish that more boys were like that in real life. So I thought that was a really good example. And that's ultimately why I came to love Nick because he could be her magical equal and like actually walk down the path of night for her. Oh, I, I know what it was that he sucked in when he didn't, when he lied to her and didn't kill his familiar. Oh yeah. That made me mad. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Because he made this whole thing. He was like, I could never risk you. I wouldn't put your life in danger, but then he did. Yeah, exactly. So it felt like it, devalued his word and everything else that he ever said i'm just like oh right which i thought was also a good plot point because that it like you can have someone who can be a really good dude but at the same time like he could be selfish and i think that's what most of these kids all dealt with in this show is like there was no good or evil it was how selfish do you want to be versus how selfless do you want to be and I think that was just one of the characters having a moment of selfishness. And I honestly think that Sabrina's biggest flaw is that she can be really selfish at times. Mm-hmm. But all the characters could, so that was that was really cool. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, that was the determining factor of how good or evil you were. Right. How selfish you were. Mm-hmm. Or how, like, how much you acted in your own interests. Right. <laughs> because they never vilify... Because when, when I was first watching it, or like at the the beginning when you first see Zelda, I kind of thought she was like a bitch. Like not just that she was a hard ass. I was like, does she even fucking care about Sabrina? Right. Like, yeah, I thought the same thing. Jesus Christ! But then later, especially at the Feast of Feast, when she flips her shit when she finds out that you know Sabrina could have been killed, um, and like almost was eaten and like trades places with Prudence and all the shit. Mm-hmm. That was when I was like, oh, shit, maybe she does love her. And I'm like, okay. And I think that her love started really showing later on. And it seemed like she was more of a a strict parent who just wanted what she thought best for Sabrina versus not caring about Sabrina at all. Versus, like, Hilda, who always was, like, the good, sweet character the whole time. But then for her sister at the end, just, like, fucking poisons uh, the one sister who's always you know, trying to fuck with Zelda. Right. Yeah, she just poisons her point blank and kills her. Like, it's nothing. She's like, okay, bye. Don't ever fuck with my family again. Mm -hmm. And you're like, holy shit. Like, Hilda's just as hard Mm -hmm. as the rest of them. Like, it's like, what will you do for family? What will you do for those around you? Like, Mm -hmm. where do your morals lie? And for witches, I I love that they're not above killing someone who's putting their family or their life in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And Mm -hmm. I like, for Zelda, I think she was just calculated. Yeah. Because I think, well, she had her eye on High Priestess, Mm -hmm. and she was, you know, doing whatever she could to get there, Mm -hmm. and playing the part that she had to play, which is, women do that now, like, you play play a certain part, and you do have to mask a lot of your emotions to, like, Mm -hmm. rise up in a uh, patriarchal society, because... That's the only way you're taken seriously. And she was taken seriously because of her ability to do that. Yeah, she had to, like, have ambition but be very... But use the, quote, feminine wiles to get up there. And, like, you could even say that Father Blackwood probably knew because he was like, we... They understood that this was... They definitely were hot for each other, but... Right. I think he also knew, like, hey, this is a political move. Right. Everything that both of us do is it's very strategic it's it wasn't about love and i don't think it was about love for either of them no regardless of whatever they pretended right it wasn't yeah it wasn't and i think they both knew that the other knew yeah it's like he wanted to both like 
have her around so that he could have closer access to Sabrina, but also have her around because he knew her ambitions. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, keep your enemies close kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they would have been a really great team had Father Blackwood not had this whole other, like, sub-idea for the Church of Judas or whatever where he made women subservient to yeah, men. It's creepy. And it was also weird, again, going back to, like, that he got that inspiration from the relationship between Lucifer and Lilith, which I think is complete and utter bullshit but for the sake of the plot i guess that's what they did (laughs) so whatever hard to watch (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're just like it's kind of like when we watched once upon a time and you're Mm -hmm. like you just gotta just embrace it yeah (laughs) it's terrible acting it's so cheesy but the story and the creativity behind it is so good that i'm just like fuck it okay whatever cinderella's fucking a bartender (laughs) this is what's happening oh god (laughs) That's a good show, though. I want to rewatch it. Fuck, I need to get back to it. Um, But yeah, so uh, a big thing that I did want to talk about was the whole um, Sabrina as a white savior. Mm. So I've heard some criticism of that, but I did actual research on what classifies a white savior, and I am here to say, (laughs) officially, Sabrina is not a white savior. She is just a savior figure specifically an anti-antichrist and she also just happens to be white so i think it's like that so um the white savior trope is derived from a white person being usually ordinary and then the person of color usually has some sort of ability or talent and that helps to push the white person's narrative and development further so um also the white savior is trying to kind of pull the person of color out of their culture or story to save or change them to fit a mold that the white person deems better, sort of like a missionary kind of thing. Mm. Um, And this is derived from white colonialism and missionary work, which was like to literally and metaphorically save people of color from different countries. Um, It's sort of like they just don't know better and they're trying to like de-sabotage. What's that word? Savage. They're like, they see them as savages or whatever, more primitive Um, so the person of color is ultimately the white person's burden and it's a part of their quest. So we do have a person of color who has powers, which would be Roz, but in the comic, she's a white girl. So, and I've only read the first issue of the comic, so I'm not really sure how, how her abilities with the cunning play out. Um, so I'm going just off the TV show. Mm -hmm. So when they changed it to a black girl on the show, that's more of a move to be inclusive um, rather than to give Sabrina a person of color to save. So I think that was just like a strategic move as far as not having just a white cast because that's fucking boring. Right. Um, so I believe that according to the analysis of white saviorism in Sabrina, the show, Sabrina is not really a white savior to Roz, but they happen to help each other. She happens to help each of her friends in different ways. And one of them, Roz, happens to be a woman of color. Uh, she's never trying to civilize her or change her. Sabrina's biggest flaw, which I said earlier, is probably just being selfish um, and kind of naive and short-sighted. And I feel like she could have communicated with her mortal friends a lot better than she was. But mm-hmm. also, I thought that her friends kind of sucked. They were always just assuming that she was like off doing magic and having a great time at the Academy of Unseen Arts when she was you know, really suffering over there and, like, really going through so much with her and her family. And, fuck it, she could have just had, like, boundaries and, 
just need to recharge. She, they kind of just expected her to be in both places at once, and I thought that kind of sucked. Yeah. But then Sabrina could have fucking told them that she was fighting a literal battle for her life literally every fucking day that she was there. But, yeah, you know, right. whatever. It's like they had a lack of communication simply to create drama in the story. <laughs> right, right, right. But, so, yeah, ultimately, all that to say, Sabrina did not have the best relationship with all of her friends, and I don't think that she was a white savior to... I don't think she was a, right, a white savior in the trope. Yeah. That people say, like, the whole white saviorism. Like, so I don't think that her being betrayed as a savior of sorts was problematic because she was just saving people. It wasn't about her way being better. Yeah. And it wasn't about, like, white culture versus other cultures of color. It was literally, like, a a patriarchy thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So just because someone is white and they're a hero of a story or an anti-hero or however you mm-hmm. see Sabrina doesn't mean they're also a white savior. So, like, there are actual definition to, definitions to these tropes and these problematic things that happen in media. So... Just wanted to <laughs> clarify that because I was like, oh no, what if it is a white savior complex? And then I, I looked up what white savior complex was and I was like, oh, this is literally nothing to do with Sabrina. Okay, cool. Yeah. Also, a question, like plot holes. How, did they explain how Father Blackwood created the the plane crash without getting caught by the council? Because Zelda was like, oh, that's ridiculous. No. They did a private investigation of the plane and they said it was like not magical means. Yeah, they just touched on it and then, like, let it go. Yeah, so I'm still wondering. And in the comics, they don't die in a plane crash. Um, I can't remember how Diana dies. Like, she's... I don't remember what happened, but I know her... Sabrina's father is, like, trapped in a tree or something. Like, it's really weird. I'll show you a picture later. So that's something that they made up in the writer's room. And, uh... I really need them to follow up on that. <laughs> yeah, that was like a huge thing that they could have like latched onto. It would have been really interesting to see how everything kind of went downhill. Yeah. And then also in that dream that she has where there's like two babies in the forest and one has like goat legs and the other is like a human baby. Uh-huh. And then Sabrina's dad picks up the one baby and hands it to Satan. Uh, yeah. And that was supposed to like show us sabrina's true parentage but now i'm like wait was that a fucking metaphor for her two sides or were there literal literal twins and i especially want to know that because of the twins that father blackwood has and the importance of that and i'm like wait were there actual two sets of twins what does that mean especially with the whole thing that sabrina's father was trying to create a new doctrine of witches and mortals coming together to form like a peaceful race or a more powerful race of people. Yeah. It might be literal. Right. I was wondering if there was like literal twins. Maybe that's next season. Yes. So I hope <laughs> that next season those two important things are fucking explained because yeah, I, I need to know. I hate when shows do that. That was just like Stranger Things. You didn't ever watch it, did you? No. So we're going to take a break. And then maybe when we come back, we can talk about uh, the whole how Sabrina or the Chilling Adventures of, the Se- of Sabrina season one and two possibly fit into the monomyth or the hero's journey. Um, all right. So thanks for listening to this latest episode. I'm going to go ahead and dip. 
Got to haul a bunch of lumber into my tiny 450 square foot cabin. <laughs> yes, but uh, thank you for being here and yeah, recording with me. I'm so glad to, I, I want to do it again. Yes, but it was good. Yeah, I'm glad you actually got to come in person. I wasn't expecting that. So yeah. you were like, oh, what's your address? I was like, oh, she's going to come yes. over here and record because I was really worried about how it would work on the phone. Work in progress. Episode 13, coming back full circle. Yes, <laughs> literally, because the 13th is the next step. It's It starts the spiral. How about that? Yes. Didn't even know it. <laughs> yep. That's why I chose a special one for us to get back good to start doing better yeah we need to yes i should you know start utilizing the instagram i just logged in or i'm going to so i'm gonna start posting on there we're gonna start holding ourselves accountable Mm -hmm. you can find us at rise up and raise hell on instagram we do have a patreon which would help to get caitlin a mic so that we don't have to share this one um because that's kind of rough um like my breath Hmm. what what what? Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, I think it's Patreon uh, slash not your basic witch. I don't know. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, Happy episode 13. Thanks for listening. Yes. Happy New Year. And we'll see you, I guess, in season two. Bye.